Yo, food nice, you know? <laughs> I, just, I just love to eat. I can't help it. And mindfulness gives me the ability to not only appreciate what I'm eating even more by being fully like, you know, engaged in sensation, but also gives me the ability to notice the thoughts and emotions associated with eating patterns and habits and make healthier decisions around that. Hi, welcome to the Be Here podcast, where we talk about how we can live more mindfully by living more musically. My name is Brian Royce, and this is where I share my journey with music and with mindfulness. Thanks for joining for another episode. This is episode 41. We've just completed another um, 20 episode cycle. This season has been around mindfulness and rhythm from a musical and mindful perspective. But we're actually gonna do another 10 episodes because I kinda wanna extend this chapter a little bit more. There's more to be said um, as it relates to this topic. And today we're talking about mindful eating on the podcast. If you're a first time listener, welcome. I'm very glad that you're here. This podcast basically explores the disciplines of mindfulness and music and how they are interconnected and related. Um, and basically how anyone, regardless of their musical background, can live a more mindful life by living a more musical life. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. I'm glad that you are still here. As you know, we've been talking about rhythm, like I said, and you might be wondering, what does rhythm have to do with eating right now? And we're gonna get into that, not to worry, but as is tradition, before we do, and before we start our conversation, um, I'd love if you could just pause whatever you're doing and just get grounded. Just, we're gonna take a couple of deep breaths uh, just to set the scene and to, to you know get your mind right. So for this one, I would love if we could get a bit more dramatic with this one. So we're gonna inhale for two, well, we're gonna inhale for three deep breaths, but this time try to be dramatic about it. Um, you know, feel, take a big breath and then feel your lungs expand. And then as you let it out, just control how you let it out. So it's not just like one gust of air, but like it's a bit more held back. Um, let's just take, you know, breathe, um, three breaths and then we can get into it. So let's go. And just feel the sensation of air as it moves through your body and how your body responds to that sense of expansion and relaxation. I'm glad that you've chosen to be here. If you're like me, hopefully that would have helped you to feel a bit more calm, to lower your heart rate a little bit, to make you feel a bit more present and connected to your body. While you're doing that, I don't know if your mind might have just gone elsewhere or you, if you're like me, I don't know, my mind is always like being pulled in many different directions. But the whole idea is as you breathe into that and you feel the sensation of expansion and release and that relaxation that comes with it, notice where your mind goes, allow it to kind of go wherever it goes, and then bring it back to the next breath so that your mind is locked into the feeling of breathing in and then breathing out. And that's basically the backbone of like mindfulness meditation right there. And that has a lot to do with how we practice music. It has a lot to do with how we experience food, which is what we're gonna talk about this episode. Um, and so without further ado, let's jump right into it. I'm particularly excited because I've actually roped in some of my friends who are professional foodies 
um, and also very mindful people, I think, to join me in this conversation um, via some voice notes. We're going to get into those soon, but the central question for this episode is how does mindfulness and music and rhythm in particular help us to be more mindful when we eat? What does it mean to eat mindfully? And what do we stand to gain from incorporating this habit and this practice into our everyday lives? I do want to say this episode may contain triggering or sensitive material for people because we're going to be discussing mindful eating and we'll broach the topic of eating disorders. So please be advised. All right, let's talk. I have a really hard would you rather question to, to kick this episode off with. And the question is, would you rather never taste food again or never be able to listen to music again? Would you rather never taste food again or never be able to listen and enjoy music ever again? That is, ooh, that's a hard question because I'm going to personally th think about it for yourselves. Let me not bias you. No, actually, let me bias you because this is my podcast and I'm going to say what's on my mind. But I, f I will, uh, this is really hard. I'm going to go with I would rather never taste food again because I, I don't think I could give up listening to music. But oh my God. That's a hard question because I just love food. I just, I don't know about you, but I'm like, like I'm a foodie. And I know everybody and their mother is a foodie in this day and age. And that's fine. Everybody can, everybody's allowed to like food. I'm not saying that I'm like a professional chef or anything or that my taste buds are super advanced, but there's just something about like biting into like a, like a super crispy piece of chicken. If it's fried chicken, like roast chicken, like make sure the gravy is right you know, get those flavor combinations going, like curry chicken, oh gosh, even like um, and like vegetarian food I find is just so well spiced and seasoned that I'm not a vegetarian, but I just love, um, I could go on and on and on, but my point is that food is good, music is good, music is great, but food is, food is also really good, and is like a major source of joy in my everyday life, um, I realized recently that when I eat food I and I'm chewing, <clears throat> what I'll do is I'll like get really into the zone and I'll like start, I'll just like close my eyes and like start dancing and people look at me weird. And that's just how I enjoy food, man. Like, I'm sorry that I enjoy things really deeply, but somebody said to me recently, Brian, you realize you dance like every time you eat food? And I got to thinking about why that's the case. And I have two theories. The first theory is that when I'm happy, I dance, right? And so when I'm eating food, I'm just enjoying myself and I'm dancing. And that may come into play to some degree, but what I actually was medicine recently was, I feel like I'm actually dancing because when I'm eating, I'm chewing on rhythm. Like I'm creating a beat in my own head that only I can hear. And it's like the rhythm of the crunching and the chewing. And it's usually on like a one, two, three, four kind of a beat. And so because there's music when I'm eating, I can't help but like move. And I thought, I just thought that was really interesting. I was like, I should have an episode about like mindful eating because for me, eating is a super fun activity, but I also am like creating music while I'm eating and I'm dancing and I'm like, I'm expressing joy through the act of eating because of the rhythm of chewing. Who would have thought eating is a rhythmic activity? Interesting, thinking about eating as a rhythmic activity. I mean, from my perspective, there's rhythm because I'm chewing and I'm and I'm hearing and internalizing this like rhythm and this beat, so I'm dancing to it. But also think about how like we eat 
on like routine schedules, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, three times a day. You know, if that's you, then great. Maybe it's not that for you. Um, but some people like to plan the same thing and like have the same thing every day. Some people like to switch it up and introduce some more diversity to their eating patterns. But there's a, there's a, you know, just in the same way that our lives are cyclical and, and pattern, like the way that we eat also follows these interesting patterns. And I thought it was worth talking about this from a mindful perspective, because there are a lot of emotional and um, thought triggers that go into you know, our experience of eating in the same way there's a lot of thoughts and emotional triggers that go into our experience of music. So there's similarities and stuff, but I figured it would be interesting to to hear the perspective of one of my friends who, who runs a very successful um, catering and also baking um, business. Her name is Becca and she runs Until We Eat Again. She, in my opinion, is like a super taster because she will like taste something and like pick apart the flavors and be able to like really taste food, right? Whereas for me, I just like to eat food. <laughs> so I, I, I'm gonna rope her into this conversation um, and hear what she has to say about eating mindfully. So let's let's go. Yo, Bex, what up? So I'm doing this episode on my podcast about mindful eating and I want to get your your brilliant chef insight on this topic because i know you are one of those chefs who like when you taste something like when you really like eat some nice food like you really taste it you know what i'm saying like there has to be a spectrum of like tasting ability here because my taste buds are kind of like <laughs> tone deaf my t- that's i'm mixing my metaphors here my taste buds can't taste anything but you are like a super taster like you can taste and like pick apart all the different like flavors and ingredients and flavor profiles so like what goes on in your head when you're eating mindfully um so that you're savoring all the bites and like um are you thinking about the flavors like how does that work from like an expert um foodie (laughs) i'm not expert foodie i want the expert foodie's opinion oh my gosh okay first of all you need to give yourself a little more credit i think your palate has really really expanded in the last few years of knowing me of course (laughs) um but keywords you said eating mindfully it's so easy to not do that because we're eating multiple times a day it's essential for life you know um but when when i'm eating something mindfully like because I have the knowledge of spices and, you know, seasonings and different things like that, all the different ingredients that go into like maybe making a dish because I went to culinary school and have that knowledge and training, I can be, I can like taste something and I can pick it apart in my head and know what goes into it to make it up. And I think you're like that with music, obviously, um, where you can hear a song and you know all the components. I hear a song and I just hear like a masterpiece and you know everything that goes into it. It's the same with me and food, I guess. Um, but do you know that scene in Ratatouille <laughs> where where the, I forget the guy's name, the little mouse, He's he finds a piece of cheese and he bites it and there's like these swirls and sparkles in his mind while he's eating, his eyes are closed. And then he eats a piece of the strawberry and the swirls happen again and he's like, like, closing his eyes really enjoying it and then he bites both of them together and it's like explosions in his mind that's the best way i can describe (laughs) how it feels when you're eating something so good and you're eating mindfully amazing amazing first of all the his name is remy (laughs) 
the most from Ratatouille. Don't be disrespecting my boy Remy like that. He's earned it. Um, but no, you're right. I think it's interesting how there's like a um, the combination of flavors comes together to create something even more wonderful. But you wouldn't really appreciate that if you're not being mindful about it. And I think you're you're right too about how your knowledge of what you're doing impacts how well you can appreciate it. Um, if you're able to identify um, certain things or put labels behind flavors in the same way that I'm able to to listen to the baseline and describe what's going on there and maybe understand it a bit more. I do think understanding the individual elements helps to create for a more mindful experience overall, especially when it comes to food. I mean, somebody like me, I'm not going to be able to be like, oh, you know, three parts cayenne pepper and one part <laughs> smoked paprika or whatever it is. Uh, but I think even just being able to to put labels on things and be like, okay, when I'm eating this, I'm tasting spice. Is there a lot or a little? I'm tasting um, sweetness. Is it a lot or a little? Or um, I think th I'm not tasting um, saltiness or I'm not tasting bitterness. Um, and being able to put words to those flavor profiles, I'd say is immensely helpful in the same way that, you know, listening to music, being able to say, okay, I hear trumpets, I hear a synth. Uh, oh, there's background vocals. And um, I guess just the individual, just noticing the individual elements helps a lot to bring out the, the story as a whole. I think it, it there's a, a parallel to be drawn too in just our own like emotional and mental um, states, like curating what goes on in our minds. Um, for my own sake, I found that my own mental wellness journey has been enhanced by being able to put labels on emotions or thoughts and being like, there is happiness or there is um, a tinge of gloomy, gloominess right now or I'm feeling apathetic um, and being able to also put distance between those thoughts and feelings and my sense of self um, has been big for me so that it's not saying, um, oh, I am depressed any more than it is saying I notice a feeling of sadness, um, which sort of helps to put some distance uh, between the label and my sense of self. Um, that's been really tremendous in my own mindfulness journey, um, being able to just identify what's there and then letting it go. If it's a matter of, um, you know, just noticing in the same way that like food, food is transient, sound is transient, thoughts and emotions are also transient. I mean, for better or for worse, sometimes I really wish that this, this flavor could last forever. But that would really just defeat the purpose of the in-the-moment joy and gratification that it brings, right? Like this, the joy you get from a song is amazing while the song is playing. And then at the end of it, you do have to let it go. Thoughts and emotions are similar. Like when you're experiencing a state of happiness, be present and be like soaking up all the joy that you can from this moment because that emotion will change. Um, and I mean, this is also, it kind of sounds sad, but it's also, it could be a good thing if you're in a state of um, pain, like emotional anguish or sadness or anxiety, just noticing that that's there and being able to be aware that it won't always be there. The emotion will change and you'll create room for another emotion or, an, or another state of being or another thought to follow that, I think is immensely freeing. 
we're never really just, so this way we're never really just clinging to the one moment and hoping that this moment will last forever or hoping that this, you know, this moment will like get away from us as fast as possible. But mindfulness has given me the ability to just sit with what is here and let it be here in its inherent um, goodness or badness. I don't really want to assign good or bad labels to things other than the fact that just noticing what is here and letting it be here and being okay with with that feeling and that sensation has been one of the lessons that I've learned from mindfulness, mindful music, mindful eating. I do think there are a lot of overlaps between um, negative thoughts and emotions and the way that I experience the act of eating. So, I mean, I have been in situations where like I am angry, let's just say, and I'm eating and I'm and I'm just ravenously just flying through my food so much so that I'm forgetting to actually taste and experience what I just tasted and experienced. And then I get to the end of it and be like, where did the food go? And because I'm emotionally wrapped up, I'll be like searching for more food. And then it's not there and I get even more more upset that like the food is done and I didn't really get to appreciate it. I can be so tunnel vision on that one emotion that it takes me out of the joy of the moment of eating um, and or the, out of the joy of anything else really. Um, and I guess one aspect of mindful eating is to be aware of the emotional state that you bring into you know, the act of eating so that you actually appreciate this bomb food for what it is um, and that you bring some gratitude to the moment of eating whatever you're eating. I think this is a big reason why it's important to like give thanks before you eat, say grace, you know, so that you really ground yourself and you bring yourself to appreciate the fact that you have food, the fact that you have food in front of you, not even like delicious food, just the fact that you get to nourish yourself and have some kind of sustenance is not to be taken for granted. So regardless of the emotional state that you're in, just pausing before you eat, just to say grace, just to notice your own emotional state, where you're coming in from, what emotional or thought baggage you're bringing to the table, and then allowing yourself to kind of set that to one side and appreciate what you're about to experience for its inherent deliciousness, I think is huge. I mean, there are other emotions that, that go into this, right? Other days when I'm feeling like low, sometimes, I mean, if we're being honest on the pot again, I feel like sometimes I'll just eat just for the sake of feeling something. I find that if I am emotionally down, I will binge and then I'll feel shame about it. I'll be like, man, I can't believe I did that. Even though in the moment, all I want is more. Like I just, I'm just addicted to the feeling of like um, the joy or the, the, the happiness, the temporary um, relief that eating something would bring to my emotional state. Um, even if I know that afterwards I'm going to go back to that negative emotion, it's it's an unhealthy pattern that I've that I've realized exists in myself, and one that mindfulness has allowed me to put some distance between, to notice and to actively work on, so that I've now you know I'm able to basically mindfully notice the triggers that lead me to want to to pig out um, and being able to tell myself that you know enough is enough when that's time or to notice a craving and decide that I'm not going to act on this right now because I'm noticing that this craving is actually not a hunger pang I'm not hungry but I'm reaching for food to to fill a void created by some negative emotion 
Um, and mindfulness has given me the space to notice and label, like I have been saying, um, and actually make an informed choice as to how to respond. Does my body actually need nourishment right now? If, if yes, then you know, go ahead and eat and know when enough is enough. Um, or notice if my impulse to eat right now is just an impulse out of some negative emotion in the same way that like I'll feel the need to like check my phone's notifications just out, just out of the urge to, you know, get some dopamine going. Um, meditation practice and mindfulness has been huge, so huge in helping me to take, take back control over some of these impulses. Um, and it's helped tremendously in my own like fitness journey as well, but that's another conversation. I think it's worth pointing out that this the same emotional triggers that I've that I was just talking about here can show up in different ways. So whereas my response to some negative emotions might be to eat more, I know that that's not the case for everyone. I know that some people in their their response to certain um, negative triggers um, tend to use eating as a way to restrict or to control, um, you know, that aspect of their emotions so that they feel more, uh, I guess, in control of what's going on. And so I'd love to just rope in another friend of mine who is another um, critically acclaimed restauranteur and foodie, um, also trained in the culinary arts as a professional chef, but also somebody who I think has a really good appreciation for the mindful aspect of what goes into mindful eating. Um, her name is Brittany. She's a really good friend of mine. Um, and she also runs a, a very successful and really cute and awesome restaurant um, slash cafe downtown Kingston. Big up Daniel's Coffee Barrel. Um, here is um, my question to Brittany via voice note. And again, just want to reiterate that we're going to be talking about some sensitive topics regarding eating disorders. So please be advised. Hey, Biho, how are you doing today? So I'm doing this episode on my podcast about mindful eating. Um, and I would love to get your your insights, your input um, as, you know, not just a professional chef and foodie and restauranteur, restaurant owner, cafe owner, Big Up Daniels, um, but also as somebody who I think has a unique mental health perspective on this. Um, we're talking about mindful eating and we're talking about like emotional triggers that lead to different types of um different types of eating patterns or eating habits. I know for me, I sometimes when I'm triggered by negative emotions, I will often like turn to food as a way to just like feel something. Um, and I will like often binge, but I know that there's different um, expressions of this for different people. And I'm curious about what your experience has been like as it relates to, um, you know, navigating eating and navigating food um, from, you know, from from the perspective of negative emotions and um, I guess, I don't know, like how, how has your mental health journey and your, your eating journey, um, I guess, shaped up? Like, what does that look like for you from your experience? Hello. What a great question. You know, when you, uh, you first asked me about mindful eating, I was like, wrong person, because I don't really... I'm not very mindful when I eat. I could probably stand to pay a little bit more attention to what I'm <clears throat> shoveling into my mouth in the daytime. Um, but you know, the more I thought about it and the more that you expressed that you wanted to look at like negative triva triggers, sorry, um, and how that shapes and how that um, 
dictates like eating habits and eating patterns um i realized that i actually do um i'm i'm probably on the on the flip side right so like you mentioned that when you have like an onslaught of negative emotions then you tend towards like eating a lot or just eating like you know to to fill up the gap um i think i i've actually i i i tend on the opposite side of the scale so i would say for as long as i can remember um food has always been uh a complicated like i've had a very complicated relationship with food because i love to eat right i love and i i enjoy the act of eating i enjoy you know the textures the flavors the you know i eating is not just about nutrition for me <laughs> in fact my food doesn't really have to have any sort of nutritional value for me to enjoy as long as it tastes good um and it's like texturally pleasing so i like <laughs> it's so funny i went to to portland this weekend with my brother and we bought uh, some boston jerk sausage and jerk pork just as like a snack for the road um and i was eating it and it was just such an experience because the texture was perfect the flavor was perfect um and so i i made all of that to say that i i really enjoy food and i enjoy eating but i it's a complicated relationship because i i i'm i'm pretty sure that i would have mentioned this to you um before i I've been diagnosed with OCD um and what I like to call the offshoot like I so like I major in OCD and I minor in BDD which is body dysmorphia disorder. Um and you can research that. It's pretty I mean it's it's nothing like groundbreaking I don't think, but I I don't see myself as I am, right? And so without getting into like all of of that I find that I like to I or I used to. I still do. I guess I could say restrict my food intake um because it it gives me it the illusion of some sort of control. But it didn't always start like that. When I was like a young teenager, I was very angry, very hormonal. It was all teenage angst all the time, you know, the sort of thing. Um and I too like physically of all my siblings and all my family members, I was a, a tall enough for a, a girl. Um and I was a little sturdier, you know, I had sizable calves and I wasn't very slim like my other siblings and it was a constant source of comparison not within my family you know how Jamaican people give me lad you get biggie or you must have been bigger than your sister and it was very distressing to me <laughs> um and so I would you know try these little crash diets I would try like not to eat um and then inevitably I would get so hungry that I would just eat everything um and it was just rinse and repeat so I would try and starve I would eat to excess and then i would feel disgusting and it's sort of just along the way melded into it, it lost the clear cut boundaries of like being about weight so it got to a point where like anytime i was feeling out of control or overwhelmed in my life um i would try and restrict and i wasn't very good at it <laughs> you know in the beginning because as i said i first of all i was a high school student i played a little bit of tennis and also you know i walk up and down all day long in you know, the school the sun is hot 
Um, and so naturally, I think my body, my body needed nourishment. It needed, it needed food. And so that cycle went on for a good many years. Um, and when I was about, I would say maybe 15 or 16, I really got the hang of it. At this time I had gained a significant amount of weight and I was just like, I was just like, I am done feeling like this. I felt incredibly disgusting um and it, i now like looking back i know that the the reaction to the actual physical appearance was greatly overblown right so it, it was less about the weight um and more about my perception of how much space i was taking up how large i thought i was um and so i just got i, I with it a lot of willpower <laughs> i just doubled down really hard on restrictive eating i would eat once a day something very small if i found that i was like craving a piece of cake i would i would be chewing up food and spitting it out so like not swallowing then i started like obsessively counting calories um measuring peanut butter with like a tablespoon measure counting out 11 wheat thins you know to have as lunch i was exercising hard and starving so i lost a lot of weight and so i was lulled into like a false sense of okay now you can you know eat like regular you're happy now you're fine um and of course because it was a temporary solution to a long-term problem it would again rinse and repeat i would start to eat you know because i was trying really hard to eat only once a day one small meal that's just not what you're supposed to live on <laughs> and so i went to culinary school i was standing up a lot all day i was moving around a lot um and then i would put on a little weight i would have a massive meltdown um and then i would restrict heavily again um and it wasn't until much later i would say in the last two years so now imagine from 14 to 27 that's been the habit i get really stressed i get emotional i get you know panicked i get overwhelmed and then i resort to restrictive eating because it's the only thing that i feel like i have control over it was my go-to like one of my go-to coping mechanisms stressed restrict the eating Feel fat, restrict the eating. Fighting with my mana, restrict the eating. Hate my job, restrict the eating. Because like it was a way for it. It felt good. It was the only thing that I felt like I could succeed at and do, and do well. Um, I am learning <laughs> very slowly because my head is kind of tough. How to separate my value from my weight separate my value from my ability to restrict um and i you know every day is a struggle <laughs> and not every day is a winner i do restrict um and i guess that's really what the reality of living with mental illness or even generally just mental wellness because i i, I mean the two are not the same I do have mental illness, but I would say that instead of focusing on mental illness, the aim now is more like mental wellness. So not trying to eliminate my mental illness, which I, I can't because it is something that I have, <laughs> um, but rather 
living my life in a way that helps me cope with these things a little better, a little less destructively. So I hope this helps and that it wasn't too long. And what a thing if I get to the end of this and hear me. Oh my God. Thanks, it is great. I feel like your, your vulnerability and honesty. I thought that was really well said. And I mean, I appreciate Brittany's like openness sharing all of that. I just want to say, if that's something that you relate to, if you feel like you struggle with an eating disorder, I just want to say, I know it's hard, um, but I really encourage you to talk to somebody you trust about it. Somebody who you know is a safe space for you, somebody who you know has the capacity to listen. Um, you know, don't expect them to be, you know, the solution um, necessarily, but, you know, just allow, just the, the act of sharing what's going on with you, I think would be well received if this is somebody that you trust um, and if it's the case that you need to seek professional help, there's absolutely no shame in doing that. Like literally go and talk to somebody who can actually provide the help you need if that's if that's you. And also, you know, remembering that it's okay to not be okay and it's not a reflection of you, of you or your own self-worth. It's just something that you can notice and be aware of that this is something I struggle with. How do I mindfully navigate that? That's really what it's about. I want to end off this episode by talking about gratitude. I feel like gratitude is just like always a good place to begin and end. And it's a really good solution, I think, for, for the task of eating mindfully. Being able to bring gratitude to the act of eating before and even gratitude to, you know, what we have just eaten after, afterwards. Um, it always is a good way for me to replace some of these negative emotions and negative triggers as well. You know, if I know that I'm reaching for food or I'm or I'm feeling like limiting or restricting my food intake out of a need to control something, I feel like responding to that emotional trigger with a sense of um, of of gratitude, being being that isn't it? You know, something as something like saying, "Isn't it amazing that I get to eat this food?" Um, goes a long way in in changing my relationship with food if I have a negative relationship with food. I found that when I'm when I'm wanting to reach for seconds or have more or like really just and like glut myself with um, food, I think gratitude is one way that I've been able to say, you know, pause and check in and be like, you know, my stomach feels okay right now, or my stomach feels happy with this. I'm I'm grateful for what I have eaten, and that's that's enough for now. And I think gratitude is when you experience a sense of gratitude, you you're you're living and experiencing a state of abundance. Um, and like enoughness, you know, and so it's it becomes more difficult for you to say I need more um, when you experience a sense of gratitude like that. Um, it it feels like I'm more able to say that you know I'm not actually hungry right now. Maybe someone else might might like to have have this instead, and that opens up a world of opportunities, um, you know, in my own relationship with myself and in my ability to share food with others. I think food has an amazing ability to bring people together, just like how music has an insane ability to bring people together. And if we can approach that with a sense of gratitude, knowing that, you know, that there is enough for me and there is enough for others, um, it goes a long way in changing our relationship with, with eating, eating mindfully. 
So that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you've made it this far and you've enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear feedback from you. So feel free to reach out to me on the socials at Be Here Podcast or at Brian Royce with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N-R-O-Y-E-S. On Instagram, I'm also on TikTok and Twitter, YouTube, The Works. Um, tell me some of your favorite flavor profiles. Mine are probably crunchy and savory slash like salty and oily like vegetables great but let's dip them in some oil first <laughs> i don't know why i love food so much i could talk about this forever but i would also appreciate if you shared this episode or this podcast with someone else a friend or a family member who you think might also find this conversation interesting or valuable uh, it really helps with the organic growth we're trying to achieve on the podcast and it also helps to boost the number of genuine connections that i get to make around these kinds of topics the song of the week this time is a song called Something to Say by Michaela J. Honestly, this song is just a feel-good song. It feels like one of those like big band gospel songs that you'd hear with like a strong lead singer and like some really wicked background vocals supporting. Really upbeat, really peppy and uplifting. I don't know if you know Israel Houghton, but it's like if he wrote like Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake. Just like, just really good vibes. Something to say, go check it out. Michaela J. So remember to be mindful of where your attention's at today when you eat your food. As always, make it good, make it groovy, and catch you next time on the Be Hair Podcast.